Um, man, I'll tell you, it's just uh, as things are building, I just want you to understand that you are amongst, you are with, and you are part of really uh, the greatest and most influential people on the face of the earth. And you might not think so, but I want you to remind you of that. I want to tell you of that. I want to encourage you in that because the more you understand, the more that you know that you have the influence of the kingdom of God, that God has put eternity in your heart. And, and, and just as Alan said, you know, there's people striving for today. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to put on? And God wants us to focus on him and eternity. And God takes care of today on the way to eternal things. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask, hope, dream, or think as we allow the concentration of his power and the loving relationship that we have with him to overwhelm our being. He has everything that, that you've ever wanted, everything that you've ever needed. He, was, he is your creator, and he's created a path for you to walk in. When Jesus ascended on high, he sent the Holy Spirit of God to live and to abide within us. As we mature and as we grow in understanding of that relationship, he said that those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It doesn't just mean those who are whoever's born of God. He, he's really talking about in John, the first chapter, he says that, that we are, when we're born again, we're born as children, as offspring of God. We receive that life of God. But there in Romans, he's using a different Greek word, and he says those who mature as sons and daughters, those, those who are maturing and, and are called mature sons and daughters, they are led by the Spirit of God. In other words, as we grow in that relationship and that knowledge of him, we allow him to lead and to guide us wherever we go. When we're just children, we're crying out to him for what we have need of. But he said, listen, I not only have what you need of, I have a path for you to walk in. And in that path, you will begin to accomplish things that are bigger than you thought. And there's a supply for everything that you have need of as you allow me to direct your path. And so there's great things in store. And, you know, as we've been uh, uh, talking about and, and really moving into uh, uh, some different things this year, as Alan said, you know, when we finished 2020, uh, uh, all those things, there were so many things that would distract us. And it's really time in turning the corner. And, you know, I can't believe that it's already uh, mid-February, almost March, which means, again, we have to understand that time is moving. We're moving at seven days a week, 24 hours a day, right? And it's not slowing down. We're moving at the speed of life. And so, you know, it's just going to keep moving. And so God wants us to focus our attention. God wants us to, to bring us to an understanding of what he's doing in the earth right now. There's so many other distractions out there that will cause concern and worry. And what are we going to do? But God's not concerned. God's not worried. He is pulling together. And he said he would raise up his church. And in many different areas, no matter what camp you come from, so to speak, what maybe denominational background you come from, if you listen to people who have declared things about the last days and moving into the last days, that the greatest revival that will hit the earth will begin and it will be stirred and it will be drawn in to the local church. We've seen different kinds of revivals where people were brought to tent meetings. We saw different kinds of revivals where people would go to stadiums, and some of, some of that will still go on. But God and Jesus have always loved and, and worked within the local church body. And there's a great thing that's about to take place, and we have to understand that it, we are the church body. We are a local church body, that God wants to do some great things in you, for you, through you, and the reason that he wants to do all that is because there's people out there who are confused. Has anybody met anybody who's confused right now? 
about anything that's going on. I'm not going to ask you how confused you are. I'm just going to ask you, how you if you've met anyone who's confused. Right? But God has clarity. And God has clarity. And God wants to be able to explain and bring revelation to people who are confused. He wants to bring light to people who are confused. People are being told that this is the end of the world if we don't do things just right. Well, if it's the end of the world and it's the end of days and it is the end times, then the church must rise up. And if it really is and people are fearful, then they need to come to know Jesus Christ so that when he comes again in the end, that they are caught up together with him. And I believe that he's coming soon. And he's not coming for all of the reasons, and the end is not coming for all the reasons that people are bringing great fear. He's coming for his church because the gospel has been preached, and those who will accept him as Lord and Savior have become his, and he's coming to gather his own to himself. And the way that that word gets out is through you and through me and through the church and local churches like this everywhere that we go. And so as we begin to not be distracted by everything that goes on throughout the days and the weeks that would pull our attention away from that, we have been saying it's time to focus on him. In Hebrews chapter 12, actually, you don't need to turn there. You can actually turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to get into some things about that today. But you know, one of our foundational texts in Hebrews said that, you know, it's time for us to run our race. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, to lay aside the weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And there's things that we're doing that we know that we shouldn't be doing. And he says, it's time to gather up and set those things aside. Those things that you just know, you know, every time I start to run for God, they distract me. I fall into them. It's time to quit giving them attention. Quit being distracted by the pull on your desires that that would bring. It's time to quit being distracted by everything else that's going on and all the news that's going on around us and begin to do what? To focus, just like Alan said, to focus on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega He's the one that knows the beginning. He knows the very beginning of your life, and he knows the plan for the end of your life. He knows everything in between, and he wants to lead us, and he wants to guide us. He wants to pull us together. There's really no way at looking at Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, and focusing on him, but what you can't find yourself in him. There's so many people taking hikes and treks and flying to other countries and doing all kinds of things, hoping to find themselves. But you'll never really find yourself without looking unto Jesus. The plan for you and me is to be immersed into Christ, to be engrafted into Jesus Christ. And that's why he says, listen, when you understand that there's something before you, that life has started and there's a purpose to your life and there's an end and the finish line to your life, that Jesus is the author and the finisher of that. And as we look at him and we set our gaze upon him, we not only see his bright and shining face, but we begin to see a reflection in that and we begin to see ourselves in Christ. And when we begin to know who we are in Christ Jesus, it changes everything. It's just like this, you know, uh, Paige, she's sitting back there on the back wall. But, uh, you know, if something's going on, can be in a meeting. And and if somebody says something that she knows registers with me or she feels like, you know, that, that I should be listening, she'll do this. Like, we got you. 
But really, I want you to think about this just for a moment, that when we're looking unto Jesus, Jesus isn't looking all over the place. When we're looking unto Jesus, Jesus is looking right back at us. And there's a reflection meant to be of his glory. Now listen, when we look unto Jesus and we're looking to find ourselves in Christ and he's looking to declare and to reveal to us who we are in Christ, it's impossible to look at Jesus and see him without seeing his body. And we begin to see ourselves in Christ. If we see ourselves outside of our body alone with Jesus, with really nowhere to go except for him, We've missed the picture of what he has for us. We look at him, and we see him, and we see his whole body, and all of a sudden, we begin to find ourselves in him. It's like a weird spiritual kind of where's Waldo. You're looking at this whole body of Christ, and it's magnificent. You may be looking at the local church, and you're just trying to figure out, where am I? Where do I fit in all of this? But as we continue to look at him... I don't know why I'm using all these analogies right now, but just hang with me. If it doesn't minister to you, just realize I had too much coffee or something. But you know, as we're looking at where's Waldo and we're trying to focus on that, we're trying to focus on Jesus. And if you were born after the 80s, you might not even know what this is, but you remember those pictures that you would look at and they'd have all those weird designs and you had to focus on them long enough. You couldn't just look at them. They just look like a weird, uh, you know, abstract art. But if you kept focused on it, all of a sudden, boom, out of nowhere, your brain would pick up the picture that was hidden in all of that stuff. And we get to look and we're like, where do I fit in the body? Where do I fit in the body? And we don't see it. And all of a sudden we begin to look off somewhere else. But he says, you have to stay. You have to set your gaze. There's something about us stopping for a moment in this busy world and stopping and looking unto Jesus, not glancing as we go by, but looking unto Jesus and seeing him for who he is and what he's done. And as the apostle John says, it's time to stop for a moment and behold the manner of love that he's bestowed upon us and begin to be enraptured by it, begin to be enveloped by it, and begin to look at it, and all of a sudden things start to pop, and you realize because of his love, I know who I am. I know what he's done for me. I know what's going on on the inside of me, and it's not just for me. It's enveloped in something called his body, the church, and there's more of it than just me. I'm not alone in this. We're we're linked together. And it begins to work, and the body begins to be strengthened, and the body begins to grow, and the influence of the body begins to take place because God has a plan for his church to arise and his church to shine in this day. 2021, he's planning on his church arising, not just an individual, but the church coming forth. And it's necessary, according to the prophet Isaiah, who said it's time to arise and to shine. Why? Because the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And I know we've gone through this before. I think it bears repeating. In times past, we've tried to figure out who we are and where we are and what our gifting is and how we're going to minister and who's going to recognize that. But I believe that, that, that he wanted us to understand that that's there, but that's not the primary focus right now. It's how we come together that Jesus might be seen because a lost and a dying world is going to look. And if they don't see the glory of the Lord rising upon us, He says, arise and shine for the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And individually, there's a glory, there's a splendor of God that was the the very thought of salvation that Christ would be in us. And that is our expectation of the glory of God being seen upon us. 
When we got born again, the Bible said that we were any man that be in Christ is a new creation. We got born again, we got engrafted into Christ, which means we got engrafted into his body. And it's so important what we understand about the church right now in 2021 and how we arise and how we shine and how we, we really make the brightness of his glory shine. And there's one way that we, he talks about it. He says, listen, they're going to know that you are my disciples by your love one for another. He says, I don't want there to be a schism in the body. I don't want there to be divisions in the body. I want to rise and shine and show that the love of God works best within his body. But as it's working within his body, the church, it begins to go out and reach out to those who don't know the love of God. In Ephesians chapter 4, we've talked about this in the last couple of weeks, just trying to introduce it. I'm trying to make some ground here, but he says, and he put all things, speaking of the resurrection of Jesus, and God raised him from the dead and caused him to ascend far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion, and he put all things here in verse 22, he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Everybody say the church. The church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Come on, he plans on filling everything with himself through his body, the church. He plans on filling everything. He declared that the whole earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. How's that going to happen? Through the church. Through the church. Out of 114 times that the church is named in the New Testament, 90 times it refers to a local church body. So we look at the church universally and we get out there thinking, I'm a part of the universal church, but God's called each and every one of us to a local church body and how we fit in that local church body. Sometimes there's confusion about that, but I want us to focus on this, that we're part of a church body. Not to strain right now to try to figure out what part I am and how I'm going to fit in just exactly what is my grace and my calling. Not today, we're going to, we'll talk about that, but today just we're a part of a body and how that body works. And the church, they grabbed that phrase, they pulled that phrase, they didn't make it up to us. We, we think about the church from a Christian perspective, but back then when the church was just starting up, it was a Greek phrase, the church, the ecclesia. And the ecclesia was people that, who were called out from the neighborhoods, from the places, and they were brought together. They had an assembling together. And there was a leader that they came, and really, uh, you know, as I've studied it and, and looked at some people, it was almost weekly that they would come together, and there would be a leader, and they would begin to go over things that they valued. They would go over things of the culture of the day that they lived in and the places that they lived in, and they would go over that so that they could go back to their home with those values and the understanding of that, and in their families, and in their neighborhoods, and in their workplaces, they would institute those values, and they would begin to govern, not by political hierarchy, but they would begin to govern their surroundings because they instituted their values wherever they went. And those values may have been governed by the leadership that was there, but they would gather them together because they knew the greatest influence that they could have to change cultures was people going to their home and instituting values and going from their home to the people that they were around and living and instituting those values. 
And so Jesus grabbed that phrase, my church, my church, those people who would come together and I would institute and I would anoint leaders to come together to begin to share the values of the word of God that are different than the values of this world, that people are being governed, they're being led by the prince of the power of the air, the one who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once conducted ourselves or our lives were governed by this, the sin that overtook the world and the prince of the power of the air. We were all governed that way. He said, but you been born again and there's a different realm and a different kingdom and different values that govern our life and so he said i'm bringing together my people for each one that's been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of his dear son that i bring them together as my church to hear of the governing values of the new kingdom of which they become a part And that if they can learn the governing values and operate within themselves, within their families, within their church family, within the community that they live in, and they can govern their lives according to those values together, they will begin to affect and it will begin to broaden out. I believe that God's intent for the church is just like if you were out in, in an open field and you began, you were going to have a bonfire and it started and you lit that bonfire and there would be a radius by which that light shone. But the greater, the bigger the fire, you throw a couple pallets on that, you th- throw a couple logs and the sphere of which that light begins to expand increases. And God wants to light a fire on the inside of his church. He wants his church to grow so that the light of the gospel, the influence of those values begins to encroach and increase out farther and farther from the four walls that we call the church, the place that we gather together, that we learn of those values, we practice those values with one another. We're not just coming together just to hang out. We're not coming together to listen to good music. We trust that the music will lift up our hearts and open up our hearts to give praise to him. That he could minister to our hearts and our lives. We come together to listen to the word of God, to receive revelation of that understanding to join our hearts on how we work together so that we begin to work in a, a synergy, we begin to work in a system of flow with one another that begins to carry out there, that there's a support that comes out there that begins to strengthen and cause us to reach out farther than we ever have. And to understand this, that Jesus and his church are divinely linked, that the church is of utmost importance to Jesus. In recent days, we might not have, you might not have heard it. I don't know. I pastor churches. Uh, uh, but, you know, out in just the world in about the last 10 years, people have really been coming against the church. And the church might have some work to do. But listen, the church is primary to Jesus. It's his body. He's not mad at his body. He's trying to get his body working in unison and working together. So I just submit to us, just just think with me for a moment and understand this, that I believe, how many of you believe Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you read the book of Revelation, you don't have to read all of it and all the scary parts, but if you just read the book of Revelation at the first, you'll find the seven churches in Revelation. And what does it say? 
Jesus is speaking. It's all red letter if you have a red letter Bible. Jesus is speaking. And so what did he say? He said, I've come to visit you when you didn't know it. Jesus has come to visit. Jesus is always coming to visit. We want to think about what will he find when he comes to visit. Is it? Found one church. He said, man, you're doing some tremendous things. You're, you're working hard. You're doing some great things. He said, but, you know, I just want you to, to pay attention to this one thing. You've lost your passion for me. You've lost your passion for me. You've lost your first love. You're working. You're doing all the things you started to at the beginning. You're just going, you're doing it, but you're starting to just go through the motions. You forgot why you're doing it. You're doing it because you love me. Would he say that about us, the church? Would he say, man, you're still passionate? Or we said, you've lost your passion. Came to another church and he saw the good things that they were doing. He says, but you've allowed compromise to come in. You've allowed immorality to get into your midst. You've allowed idolatry and covetousness to get into your midst. Came to the other church and he said, uh, man, you, you've just allowed things to start to rule over you that have led you down the path of the course of this world. He came to another church and he said, listen, you've come to the point that you seem to think you have everything and you don't need anything. Have we come to the point that we become casual and think we've got enough, we don't need God, we only come to God when we need something? See, Jesus looked and he came and he said, listen, I'm so concerned about you and I am so concerned about the influence that I've ordained for you to have, that I'm not coming to put you down, I'm coming to tell you what I see because you have so many good things and so many attributes, but it's not what you're doing right now that will affect your influence. It's, it's not what you're doing for the good. It's what you're allowing yourself to compromise, where you're going, that will affect the influence you have upon a lost and a dying world. And I believe that Jesus hasn't changed. He's watching his church right now. And there's so many good things that he has to say, but he's saying, listen, I want to concentrate on some things, all the good things. I want you to know the good things that you're doing, but there's things that you're compromising in. There's things that you're allowing to come in. There's apathy coming in. There's sexual immorality that has entered into your midst. There, there's the frustrations that have come. He says, I want you to look at those. And I want you to understand those because there's great influence that I desire to come to bear on the church. I have great plans for my church. I have great things for you to do. I have people to be saved. I have revelation of the love of God and the plan of God that I want to reveal to a lost and a dying world. I need you to be influential. I need you to be the lampstand that shines out. I need you to be the city set on a hill that those who are in darkness can be drawn to the city set on a hill. I need you individually to be the light wherever you go out into the marketplace and the home. He's very concerned about his church. He's not up there waiting for you to die and get to heaven. He's concentrating. I believe he visits the church on a regular basis. And he wants us to know that he's visiting. He wants us to know, and he wants us to know that it's true that when two of us gather together, he's right there in the midst of us, and he's watching, and he's stirring, and he wants to develop things in us, and he wants to, us to get things out, and he wants us to put things in so that we can be as impactful as we possibly can. And we're not struggling, we're not striving, 
We're not offended. We're not in unforgiveness. We're walking in love. We're walking in joy. We're walking in peace. There's a pep to our step, a glide to our stride. There's something that's different about us when we go out into the world, not the same. We're not trying to be the same. We're trying to be different. We're not trying to be strange and weird. We're just trying to be rock solid. To have values and principles and strength. To have love and joy and peace and goodness. All these things that were provided on the cross of Jesus Christ. And we're, we're living those out in our life. But they should be affecting each other and linking together and expanding. And I believe that they are. In such a dynamic way. And I hope today, just in the few minutes that we have, I can encourage you that they're working. And if we focus on that and get our attention, we'll see that they're working better than we think they're working. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Y'all are familiar, I'm sure, with this scripture, but 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Paul, once again, is talking about the body of Christ, which is the church. He says, for, uh, starting here in verse 12, he says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say... Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? The answer to those questions would be no. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each of them, uh, in the body just as he pleased. This is why it's so important to look unto him. And what he's doing, what he desires, what he's doing in you, what he desires to do for you, what he's going to do through you, because we can start to compare ourselves by ourselves, but God has an important place that he wants you to fit into the body, and he values that place. And you may think, I don't want to be a big toe. I don't want to be down there carrying the body in different places, down there where it's dark and where it's stinky. I don't want to be next to all those other toes, but God puts you there for a reason, and it's valuable to the whole body. And I know even as I say that, most of you aren't going, yeah, I know you say that, I know you understand that, but there's no way I'm being a big toe. It's just not happening. But listen, without the toes, the body's just going to fall over. The balance of the body is not going to be good without the toes. And it's so important to know that we're looking unto Jesus, we're not being distracted, that we're finding ourselves in him and finding what place that he has put us in and why he's put us there because it's incredibly important. Says, and if there were if there were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which uh, we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have a greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God has composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. 
And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So I said last week, just briefly, I began to look up some things and, and just, you know, as, as I've been growing through life, you know, there, I've just heard things that there's really parts of your body that you don't need. And so I thought, well, I'm going to look at a couple of these parts that they say you don't really need. And uh, if he said there's no part of the body, you can say we don't need you. Then why would doctors say we might not need that part of our body? And so I looked at the appendix and I looked at the tonsils. How many of you still have your appendix and your tonsils? How many of you have one? How many of you have both? Praise the Lord. Good for you all. Me too. So I was wondering about that, and it was really just interesting. I'm going to try to put it briefly because I'm not a doctor. But what I did find out is that you do need them. You do need them. They actually help the immune system. They actually release antibodies into your system. That your appendix actually create good uh, probiotics that will help your gut. And it's there, God put that there for a reason, to help your immune system. And so we can't say we don't need you. And I believe what doctors did is they came out and said, if this part of your body gets infected, you can live without it. But they should have never said you don't need it because you do need it. And really, the functioning of it is really such a, you know, they're small parts and, and they're there, but what they're doing is they're filtering uh, sickness. They're filtering some things that come in, and in the process of filtering, then they're sending out antibodies. But what is the issue? Why, what's the issue with why our tonsils need to be taken out is because really from a tonsil perspective is that it's, it's working to, to, for your immune system and to be healthy and to release antibodies. If you're not careful, it all of a sudden begins from the outside as you breathe to take in bacteria and things that can easily infect it. And once that vital part of the body, that small part of the body that's used as a filter to help the body stay healthy, all of a sudden from the outside attracts unhealthy things and becomes infected, it is no longer helpful to the body. And it's removed, but you can't say you didn't ever need it. You're only living without it. And the appendix being just a little bit different, it has a similar quality that, that I found strange when I looked at them. They both have a similar quality, but your appendix doesn't get infected or influenced by things outside of the body coming in. It gets influenced by picking up bacteria or infection from within the body. The very thing that is supposed to be working to help, if it's not careful, will pick up and become infected itself. When it becomes infected itself, it's not helpful to the body. See, sometimes we're looking and we're saying, you know what, I don't want to be an appendix, I don't want to be a tonsil, how ooh. But really, we're there because as things come into the body, we're filtering and we're, we're helping to understand and, and filter things to bring health to the body. And when things come from the outside, we either push them out or people come from the outside, we receive them in and we bring health to the body. And we help a part of the body, which is really the voice that declares and helps to encourage and to build up and proclaim 
because there's so much going out and coming in, it's easy to get infected if we're not careful. Sometimes we're in the interior and we're helping the body and we're helping process and digest and distribute out and brings health to the body because as we bring the word in and what God's saying to the body, there's so many of you members that can receive it and you begin to encourage people and some of the small groups that are doing sermon review, you're just taking that in and you're like, man, this is what what we're feeding on. This is what we're saying. We're bringing health and and helping the immunity of the body. But if we're not careful and people begin in, in the body to complain and to murmur and we take that on ourselves... We can take in infection instead of prevent infection. And it's such an important part of the body, but as he says here, it's not a seen part of the body. It's not a part of the body that you really concentrate on and desire. It's not something that you put on your mirror and say, God, if there is an appendix in the body of Christ, here am I, use me. Come on. If there's a tonsil in the body of Christ, let me be it. Because when we think about the body, we're not thinking about those as being desirable parts. In fact, we've been told for a long time, you don't need them. But in reality, you do. And there's small parts of the body that help the body stay healthy. They help the body stay healthy. You know, a number of years ago, uh, I realized something that there are, you know, the seen parts of your body, you generally, most people, not everybody, but most people, you take care of the seen parts of your body. You look in the mirror every day. You try to find out, you know, what's out of place, what's not right. You get it right, you know. If your face has blemishes or something, you try to take care of it. Why? Why? Why are you paying so much attention to the seen part? It's not really that vital to your functioning of the health of your body. Why do you take care of it? Because it's seen. I'll let that set in for a while. I know it's super profound, but, you know, people, why do you take so much care of your hair and your body and do all that? Because it's what people are going to see. But if I get a scratch on my face and I just to make sure it doesn't get infected, that doesn't really make a big difference. But if I get a laceration on something, an internal organ, it becomes much more serious. And that's what he's saying here. There's some things that are seen that we take good care of because they're seen, they're presenting who we are, but there are things on the inside that are not seen that we don't give much attention to at all, but they're very vital and important. And they do what they're supposed to do, and unless something goes wrong, there's not that much attention given. They're doing what they were created to do. But there's great honor given to it. So a few years ago, most of you know this story, we were playing football uh, as our custom was on Thanksgiving weekend. We always played tackle football and uh, we were playing, we went out and just shortly got into that game and uh, I was rushing the passer. Casey here happened to be the passer and he's big, strong and fast, way faster than I am. And so I came in and instead of just letting me tackle him like he should have done, He endeavored to escape. And as he endeavored to escape, I thought I would grab on to his shirt. And as he spun out and took off at the speed that he does with great finesse, he took off faster than I could respond and I couldn't hold on. And so he got away. But the moment he got away, I felt something on my forearm go click. And then like you'd pull a shoelace through your, your loop, 
I felt something run up my arm. And I looked down, and my bicep was clear up here in a ball. And I went, think something just happened. This does not look right. My distal bicep tendon came unattached from my forearm. Now, let, let me just tell you this. I'm trying to help us, and I'm going to have to rush, and I'll probably leave something undone. So please don't leave like saying he didn't cover that, and I'm angry. Because, But, you know, before that day, I didn't really know I had a distal bicep tendon. I never paid attention to it. I never woke up in the morning and said, thank you for being there. My arms wouldn't work without you. You're awesome. I never even thought about it. My distal bicep tendon just did what it was supposed to do to bring strength to the body. And it was so important that every time I went out to shake somebody's hand, every time I lifted a weight, every time I turned in water skiing, uh, that was all helping me, and I never even knew it. It was helping me do what I was supposed to do, go where I was supposed to go. And all of a sudden, that thing goes, and I figured out, man, this thing does a whole lot more than I thought it did. But once it became detached from what was supposed to be connected in the body, it changed everything about how my arm worked and the strength that my arm had to do what my arm was supposed to do. It never did ask for recognition, never did ask to have anything special. It just knew that this is my role. When it came undone, the bicep didn't blame it for coming undone. That distal tendon didn't blame the bicep. Everybody didn't blame the arm for reaching out to Casey. My distal tendon didn't blame Casey for turning and running away. That's all my head. <laughs> it was just there. And while nobody was blaming anybody about anything in my body, you ever notice that your body's not blaming another part of your body? All the while... My head had to make a decision to reconnect my distal tendon where it belonged so my arm could function how it ought to function. See, there are things in the body and your place in the body and things are going to happen in the body. We have a tendency because we're different than those cells and those parts and those muscles and those tendons of the human body that were created that way. But Paul is using the analogy that if we come disconnected, then we know that. But then all of a sudden we start figuring, trying to figure it all out. But really in the end, no matter what the disconnection, no matter what the hurt, no matter what takes place, Jesus, the head, is ever working to reconnect that place so that his body can work as it ought to work. And to understand this, that in the body, there's an arm that reaches out. And we could look at that, you know, if I come over here to shake hands with Jerry, and he's going to watch, and he's going to watch my hand so that my hand meets his hand. And we shake, and there's something there that, that, that denotes friendship and welcome. And we look at that, and even if I squeeze a little harder, he's like, man, you got a good handshake. Never thinking of how much is going on in the body just for that hand to be recognized. The hand gets to be shaken and embrace the other hand 
But without all the muscles and the tendons and the ligaments, that hand would never be able to embrace the other hand and create a friendship. When I'm up here endeavoring to declare the word of God and teach you and share with you, you may hear the words and you may look and say, it's coming out of that mouth, but there's so much more going on, clear down in my throat, my esophagus, my vocal cords. Everything's going on to make it come forth so that a message can be communicated. In order to get the gospel into all the world, somebody's got to take it. He says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So we think about our feet. But in order to get somewhere, it's not just your feet walking. All of the muscles, all of the tendons, all the ligaments, all the cells, all the blood vessels that are going on in your leg to make that happen are all important. Every single one is important. We don't give them all the attention that maybe we should and that we need to, but when they all work together in harmony, the body is growing, the body is reaching, the body is speaking, the body is loving, the body is lifting, the body is reaching. But listen, when we reach out to lift someone up, something, some process, some awana in the children's or the youth group might be reaching out to youth, but... And they might be seeing the youth group, but there's so much more connected to that when we reach out. When the word goes forth, there's so much more to that. The body's incredibly important. As we look unto Jesus and we know where he's placed us and we understand the function that we have, and we understand that without me being connected, just as the distal tendon has to be uh, connected to the bicep, and it also has to be connected to your forearm. And whether it likes my forearm or not, or likes my bicep or not, I'm just glad that it's connected to both. My whole body's glad that it's connected to both. Why don't you all stand up? In Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about what we call the fivefold ministry gifts. They're there for the equipping of the saints, that the saints would serve one another and do work of ministry, that together we would edify the body. Together we would edify the body. That we would grow one another and work with one another till we all come into the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God. We're working together to bring about a knowledge of Jesus, one with another. That's our role, we're being equipped so that we share one with another the gospel. We edify, we build one another up. You know, there's just different times in different places. Uh, we had a memorial service yesterday and beginning to talk to the people and those of you that surrounded that family and have talked to them, have taken them out to lunches and it has comforted them. And I've talked to them, but good for you. And I feel awesome about that because if I've equipped you to do that, then that's awesome because you're doing what you're supposed to do in the body. And when people surround one another and build one another up, when you have four or five people in the church who are around you, they're connected to you, they're building you up, they're strengthening you, they're, they're ministering to you, they're telling you it's going to be okay, they're praying with you. It may not be a specific person, but the body is edifying the body. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. And as we grow in the unity of faith and we strengthen one another, then we grow and we mature each other. 
In the church, we mature each other. Why? Because we got an op- we got great opportunities to not be mature. But in Ephesians, it says we work to mature one another so that the immaturity goes away and the maturity is there and we stand to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. No longer being tossed to and fro with the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. No longer being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, but stable and working and edifying one another and endeavoring to cause the body to grow through the love of God. You're so vital. You're so vital to the local church. You're so important to the local church. There's graces, there's gifts, there's callings, there's abilities all over this building. There will be right now, there will be in the next service, there will be tonight. How do we connect those together? How do we look at one another and say, you know what? Through the love of God, we're connected. And we're going to support one another. We're going to love one another. We're going to pray for one another. We're going to avoid offense with one another. We're going to be quick to forgive one another. We're going to be tough-skinned and soft-hearted instead of hard-hearted and soft-skinned. Why would we do that? Because Jesus is moving his church to the forefront in a day when there's darkness out there and people are lost and they're dying and they're looking for love in all the wrong places. They're looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. They're looking for respect in all the wrong places. We are the body of Christ. It's awesome to be a part of the body of Christ. We might not have it wired yet. We might not have the fullness of it yet. We might not do it perfect, but we are the body of Christ. We are a local church body. God's given us a great call. As we come together, it takes the resources and the strengths of the body. It takes every part to get able, be able to reach out, to go into all the world, to have a voice. It takes all the parts. Praise the Lord. We love you. We appreciate you. I know that God has a plan for this church that's bigger than any one individual could accomplish that we even know. But together, I believe that God has a great plan that will start in 2021, and it will continue to grow, and it will continue to draw people in to the love of God till Jesus comes back. And I'm just blessed to be a part of it with you. It's amazing how he's designed his body to work. And you're an amazing part of it. And you are anointed to do what God's called you to do. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We magnify you. We're thankful. We're thankful for your design of your church, not just universally, but for the local church body. And what you've called us to do, I ask you, Holy Spirit, you'll continue to teach us to show us the things we don't yet know, to reveal to us the things that we've not yet seen, to speak to us in clarity the things that we've not yet heard, that we might continue to grow by the sincere milk of the word, that we might grow together in a bond together that we've not seen in recent years, that the church would arise in a revival and be united together, that in that unity, in that grace, in that loving kindness, there would be such an anointing corporately that would be revealed to change things like we've never seen, but there will also, from that corporate anointing, flow out an anointing from this place that will go with everyone into their homes, 
into their workplaces, to shine as a bright light, to influence those who otherwise would never come to know you, Jesus. But because of what you're doing in your church, many, many, many people will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that is our heart's desire, that those who don't know you will come to know you through the influence that we have as a light in the world, as salt in the earth. Thank you for anointing each one. As they go from this place, God, anoint each one. Bring someone across our path that we might share the goodness of God with. Forgive us where we've missed it, God. Forgive us where we've missed it. Wash us, cleanse us. Have mercy upon us and help us to find the grace that we need for this time, this season that we're in right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.